In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So, like I was saying in the introduction to the readings, all of the readings today are kind of preparing us for the Feast of the Ascension, which is this coming Thursday, so in like uh, five days. And the church knows that this Sunday is going to fall at this time, and so it's preparing us for this feast. And we could easily ask the question like, okay, Jesus ascended to heaven in the flesh, like, that's great. What what does that have anything to do with me? And in short, uh, not to to belabor the point, but to kind of relate it to to, to to, uh, what will come after that, is that Jesus, when he's describing the Father, he says, No one has seen the Father at any time, but the only begotten Son, he has declared him. And that's in 1 John, uh, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 18. And so, no one has seen the Father at any time. And then you can see from St. From Philip's, Philip's question, show us the Father, that he hasn't yet understood that the Father is not someone who can be seen. And he says, no one has seen the Father at any time. The Gospels says, say, say much earlier than that, right? And so God is in the cloud of unknowing. God is in, in um, endless light. You know, you know when, you, when you look into a bright light, what happens? You get blinded. You can't see what, what's there, right? And so God is also, the Father is also in this unapproachable light. But Jesus was incarnate to reveal the Father to us and to forge a path for us to return back to the Father with Him, right? And one of the, the key kind of like Bible verses on this is found in Ephesians chapter 2, which says that Jesus ascended into the heaven and has seated us or enthroned us with Him in the heavenly places. And you'll find that in Ephesians chapter 2. What does this have anything to do with you and to do with me? Two very, very, very like life-changing truths. If we if we accept them and if we can kind of get our head wrapped around them at least to some degree, and then are are able um, to live them out. The first one is that Jesus makes the way. In fact, Jesus describes himself in this passage as the way. So. A lot of the time when we don't know how to do something, when we don't know how to go about something, when we're on our way to a job interview and we're worried, when we're on our way to an exam and we're scared, it's enough for us to know that Jesus has gone before us. Jesus has gone before us into the place that no one has ever gone. You know, kind of like that, like the... The, the tagline of like Star Trek, you know, where like no one has gone before or something like the new frontier. That's Jesus, you know. He has like broken that new frontier, right? And he's left us, we were saying in the introduction to the readings, his footprints behind him. And that's why the church is so obsessed with the life of Christ and the whole calendar of the church kind of follows in the life of Christ, in the footsteps of Christ. We, we celebrate 
you know, his birth and his baptism and this and that. And we're not just celebrating like it was something that's nice that happened. But we, like, we are walking in the same path as him. So if he went, went and was, went through the River Jordan and was baptized, we will also walk in the same footsteps necessarily if we keep putting our feet one foot after another in one footstep after another footstep in his footsteps, we will end up going through the Jordan River as well, Right? And that is good news because, uh, like, spoiler alert, here it comes, Jesus wins, right? And so if we walk in the same footsteps as, as Jesus and we walk in the same way that Jesus walked, guess what? We win with him as well. And so from, from, from today onwards, you can tell yourself, when you're going into a situation that is tricky, that is difficult, that is, and so on, you can ask yourself, is this a path Jesus would have walked? Yes or no? And if it is, you know, if it is, then you can be confident that you are walking in Jesus' footsteps and he is going along the path with you. That's the first thing. The second thing is our... Our purpose statement. Our purpose statement is communion with Him. Our reason for being is communion with Him, is to be with Him, in communion with Him. And when He comes to leave, He says to His disciples, you're going to be sad because I'm telling you that I'm leaving. But I promise you, I will come back and bring you with me that where I am, there you may also be. That where I am, there you may also be, is one of the most beautiful things that Jesus says in this passage. He says, let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. We see here the heart of God. Not only is it your heart to walk with God and to walk in His footsteps and to be with Him, every step of the way. And the idea of being separated from Jesus was horrifying to his disciples and is horrifying to you and to me. And not only is it horrifying to you and to me, but guess what? It's horrifying to him as well. He's saying, let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. And we can see that Jesus is Desire, the deep desire of his heart is our communion with him, our, our life being intertwined with his, our life being needed. One of the early church fathers uses this example that our life is needed into Christ. You know, you take two dough balls and you knead them together. Eventually, you can't see a clear distinction between one, one and the other anymore. Although, they're, although they're, they're both there in their entirety. May, may our lives be needed into the life of Christ. And so that's where in the Pauline epistle, we get the, this theme of him being our high priest. You remember um, in the Day of Atonement, uh, in, on like Yom Kippur, what is celebrated now as Yom Kippur in, in the Jewish community, the high priest would take the blood of a sin offering and enter into the, holy, into the holiest place of all once a year with blood as, a, as an offering. And so Jesus is our high priest who enters into the holiest place of all. And he is the one who has broken the dividing line uh, between, um, between us 
and, and this life of holiness between us and God by bringing our humanity into, into the holiest place of all, into the presence of the Father. And that's why it's so significant that Jesus ascended in the flesh, like with his body, he brought his, the fullness of our humanity into the presence of the Father. And He sits in the Father and He says, I have a place for you in Me. And there will be plenty more opportunities to talk about that both on Thursday and next week as well. In the Catholic epistle, the second reading, St. Peter was telling us that the, the, the time is near, right? The time is near. The end of all things is at hand, he says. Be serious and watchful in your prayers, but above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. It seems like, it seems like the early church, it seems like the apostles, they understood something that I think gets lost in translation oftentimes in our lives and in our, in our church and how we do church and how we spend time together and how we relate to each other. That it seems like the currency of heaven is love. It seems like those who are rich in the kingdom of heaven are rich in love. And many, 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 many different ways. It's the acts of love. Maybe we would kind of describe them more as charity, right? But it's those acts of love that seem to matter, that seem to matter in the kingdom. In fact, I was chatting with somebody today about, about uh, yesterday, sorry, about uh, something St. John Chrysostom says. He says, on the judgment day, we will stand before the judge and the books will be opened and all of our works will be revealed. And the judge will turn to the jury and ask them for their ruling. And who do you think this jury will be, St. John Chrysostom says? It will be none other than the poor, than the sick, than the naked, than the lonely, than the hungry, than the thirsty. And they themselves will testify, I know that man. He fed me. He gave me to drink. He visited me. And they themselves will intercede for us. Right? And you find Jesus saying very similar things in Matthew, in Matthew 25. But it's not so much the acts of charity, but the love poured out in action. And so St. Peter is telling us that since soon, very soon, our humanity will be brought before God the Father, the mastermind of all creation. Let us, let us be prepared. Let us prepare ourselves with fervent love for one another that will cover a multitude of sins. Then the, the third reading was from the Acts of the Apostles where, Saint, where Saul of Tarsus, who then becomes St. Paul, is on the Damascus Road and he's engulfed in light. And that one experience was enough to change him forever. Ask yourself, if you were Saul of Tarsus riding that horse with commands to go and persecute all the Christians and drag them from their homes and all of the other things that are described that Saul of Tarsus did. And you were engulfed in that light and you heard the same voice that he heard. How would you respond? This is just like a, like, like a trailer. You know, this is just like a dry run of what will happen because all of us will, will be brought by Christ into this unapproachable light. But will it be a light of joy? Will it be a light of comfort? Will it be a light of revelation? Will it be a light that brings us 
knowledge and discovery, like when you turn the lights on and you can see, or it will be a light that brings us blindness because it will blind us. It's up to you and it's up to me how much we have accustomed ourselves to light in this life, how much we have opened the door for the light to shine into our lives and the light to examine us and the light to see what in us what is true and what is false. And if we cleave to what's true, then the light will continue to shine upon us. And as we allow the light to shine on us, as we become more and more accustomed to the light, that when the light is revealed in all of its fullness, it will be a comfort to us, not condemnation. Glory be to God forever and ever. Men, I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.